Well, good to see you all here this morning. Um, I have been enjoying the study of Deuteronomy thus far, and as I mentioned before, sometimes it's hard getting started in something like this, and you're like, Which, what do I preach? What do I do with this? And um, our passage this morning is so chock full, it could have been a sermon series almost on its own, but we're going to try to tackle it in one message and the message is titled, The Wisdom of Obedience. The Wisdom of Obedience. So we'll be in Deuteronomy chapter 4, starting at the first verse, and we'll be in uh, through verse 14, hopefully, this morning. Um, and I have a little, a big idea for you this morning. Um, sometimes I do this, and sometimes it's more inductive, where I let you discover a meaning on your own, but today I'm giving you a big idea. The wise person will listen, keep, and do God's word. The wise person will listen, keep, and do God's word. So, as I've mentioned the last few weeks, we're in the middle of a, a speech. It's, it's set out in these first chapters of Deuteronomy. Moses is giving this talk, so to speak, or a sermon, if you want to call it that, to the younger generation. And right here in our passage this morning, he's moving to a longer dis- dissertation about how the people should serve and obey Yahweh, and as we'll see next week, only Yahweh. And uh, so we are looking at that this morning. Chapter 4 has a heavy focus on the wisdom of obedience, also the dangers of idolatry and reminders of God's sovereignty. Part of the purpose of chapter 4 is that it is setting up a framework of the need for recognizing God's sovereignty and holiness and the need to obey him. And that's going to flow into chapter 5, where we get the Ten Commandments recited again by Moses, along with a short history lesson that he gives about how the commandments came to the people. And then in chapter 6, we will see what is referred to as the greatest commandment, which is, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. So that's a little bit look of where we're going and where this section is crucial is it's building into all of those other sections. And wrapped up in the greatest commandment is the very explicit command to teach these things to children and grandchildren. Another focus that is strong in these chapters is the idea of remembrance. We are not just given a bunch of rules and regulation with no motivation to follow them, but instead we're given again and again reminders about the mighty works of God and about his faithfulness. So these are things that we are to teach, and not only are we to teach our kids the ways God expects us to live, but also to recall for them The stories of God's faithfulness, his provision, his graciousness, and his mercy. And my prayer for myself and for all of us as we study these very important sections of Deuteronomy is that we would be called to task. That we would be spurred on by the words of scripture to be those who live out this faith. And that we would feel a strong conviction to do what we must to ensure that every believer we have the privilege to minister to 
and to do ministry with would be equipped because they were taught these things. And also that each of us would participate in the equipping of others as we work out our faith with fear and trembling together. So may God help us to see the wisdom in living out his commandments in our lives. Again, the big idea is the wise person will listen, keep, and do God's word. So let's go to the word together, and I'll read the passage we're about to look at this morning. Starting at verse 1 of Deuteronomy chapter 4. And now, O Israel, listen to the statutes and the rules that I'm teaching you, and do them that you may live, and go in and take possession of the land that the Lord, the God of your fathers, is giving you. You shall not add to the word that I command you, nor take from it, that you may keep the commandments of the Lord your God that I command you. Your eyes have seen what the Lord did at Baal Peor, for the Lord your God destroyed from among you all the men who followed the Baal of Peor, but you who held fast to the Lord your God are all alive today. See, I have taught you statutes and rules as the Lord my God commanded me, that you should do them in the land that you are entering to take possession of it. Keep them and do them, for that will be your wisdom and your understanding in the sight of the peoples, who, when they hear all these statutes, will say, Surely this great nation is a wise and understanding people. For what great nation is there that has a God so near to it as the Lord our God is to us whenever we call upon him? And what great nation is there that has statutes and rules so righteous as all this law that I set before you today? Only take care and keep your soul diligently, lest you forget the things that your eyes have seen, and lest they depart from your heart all the days of your life. Make them known to your children and your children's children. How on that day that you stood before the Lord your God at Horeb, The Lord said to me, gather the people to me, that I may let them hear my words, so that they may learn to fear me all the days that they live on the earth, and that they may teach their children so. And you came near and stood at the foot of the mountain, while the mountain burned with fire to the heart of heaven, wrapped in darkness, cloud, and gloom. Then the Lord spoke to you out of the midst of the fire. You heard the sound of words, but saw no form. There was only a voice, and he declared to you his covenant, which he commanded you to perform, that is, the Ten Commandments. And he wrote them on two tablets of stone, and the Lord commanded me at that time to teach you statutes and rules that you might do them in the land that you are going over to possess. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your word from this speech of Moses. May we take some really great things from it, Lord, to live out in our lives. May your word challenge us, Lord. May it not be the preacher that speaks to people, but your Holy Spirit through your word this morning. May you do the power of convicting hearts that need to repent, of challenging hearts that need to be challenged, that we may live out this faith together to your glory in Jesus' name. Amen. In verse 1, we have our first imperative command to the Israelites. They are to listen and do. Listen and do. You might have 
felt like that sounds somewhat familiar to you as you heard that verse 1. And that's probably because if you're like me, there's a scripture that we cite quite often, not only in the Christian Missionary Alliance, but most churches will cite the Great Commission. Um, And we see some similar language here that Jesus uses. And it's found in Matthew 28, starting at verse 18. Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. This seems to me to be a strong parallel to our passage in Deuteronomy 4 this morning. Moses had established his authority to speak to the people, and Jesus likewise reminds his disciples of his authority. And at this point, his authority had been fully revealed in the resurrection itself. Um, So in a very similar way, Moses had shown miracles that God had worked through him as part of his authority. So this is an act of delegation, okay? I have the authority, Jesus is saying, all of it. Now you go. I've passed part of my authority to you in this case to do this work. Of course, Jesus was a prophet, as Moses was. Now in the Great Commission, for the most part, when I've heard it taught or preached, and maybe you too, the focus has been on evangelism. And certainly evangelism is part of the Great Commission, but the Great Commission, if you look at it carefully, it actually does not specifically mention the proclamation of the gospel, does it? I would argue it's certainly implied. To make disciples, certainly we must have shared the gospel with people, otherwise they wouldn't have any reason to be disciples, right? It's possible maybe for someone to follow the teachings and not be a believer. We've probably all known people that maybe have done that. And I realize that, but for the most part, the motivation to be a disciple is wrapped up in the response to regeneration and eventually salvation that comes when the word of God is proclaimed, the gospel, the good news of Jesus. The part of the Great Commission, I think, that most parallels our passage in Deuteronomy this morning is in the teaching and obeying part of the command. Moses said, listen to the statutes and the rules I am teaching you and do them. And Jesus commanded his disciples to make disciples of others, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. Note something that Jesus and Moses have in common. Their teaching involved much repetition. In all of the Gospels, Jesus repeated many of his teachings more than once. And, and sometimes he used different illustrations to drive home the same point. And certainly Moses repeated a lot of what he said, including the reminders, remember the history, remember what's going on here, remember what God did. And then repeating the laws and the teachings. There's a lot of repetition. Sometimes, for those of us who are brought up in the church, we can see certain topics on the schedule and think, oh, here we go again. Do I really need to hear about the sixth day of creation again? Do I really need to hear one more time about Jacob's ladder, about Joseph's dreams, about Zacchaeus, who was a wee little man? And we have a tendency to tune out. 
I've heard this before. I already know this story. And yet for Moses and for Jesus, reminders were an important part of the wisdom of keeping God's commands. Because the commands and our motivation to follow them are all wrapped up in the faithfulness of God. And so we remember those things. Reminders are so important that God commanded certain annual feast days such as the Passover and Pentecost. Jesus commanded and ordained the Lord's Supper, which we did this morning, which is a constant reminder to us of his death. And he ordained baptisms, which are done publicly, so that each time a person is baptized, everyone is reminded of the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ and also the commitment we've made to our Lord Jesus Christ. I don't know about you, but when I see someone else baptized, it reminds me that I was baptized and I committed myself to Christ at that time. And hopefully that's something that spurs us to keep going on. So we are to listen and do. And James says, don't be hearers but doers, right? Um, Living out the Christian life is not simply a matter of intellect or knowing something. It is in the living of it. And how do we know how to live something if we have not learned it? And we must continue to learn it over time. And that includes returning again and again to the basic concepts of our faith. Moses gives to the people a very good reason why they should do these things. That you may live and go in and take possession of the land that the Lord, the God of your fathers, is giving you. And for the believer today, we have an even greater motivation than they did. They were looking forward to the promised land. We look forward to eternal bliss in heaven with our Lord Jesus Christ. And so for the believer in Jesus Christ, we may say that we desire to listen to the statutes and rules of our Lord that we may live them and go in and possess heaven itself. Not only that, but John fourteen fifteen says, Jesus said this, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. So Jesus in the Great Commission tells us to teach disciples to observe all that he has commanded us. And here in John 14, 15, he says this is how we show our love for him if we keep his commandments. But how will we be able to demonstrate our love for him by keeping his commandments if we haven't been taught them? And if we are taught them, we also must encourage others to do them as well. Next, in verse 2, Moses says, You shall not add to the word that I command you, nor take from it, that you may keep the commandments of the Lord your God that I command you. Now, here's another one that sounded instantly familiar to me, because at the very end of your Bible, in the book of Revelation, John wrote something similar. And that's in Revelation chapter 22, starting at verse 18. I warn everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book, If anyone adds to them, God will add to him the plagues described in this book. And if anyone takes away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God will take away his share in the tree of life and in the holy city, which are described in this book. One commentator said the sin of the Pharisees for which they were censured by our Lord lay in this, that they taught for doctrines the commandments of men and had made the commandments of God of none effect. By their traditions. So we also must be careful not to add or to take away. This does not mean that we shouldn't read any book but the Bible. 
I've heard people use this passage as, as a way to say, well, you shouldn't read anything but the Bible. No commentaries are needed. But this is not the spirit of what is being taught here. It's very helpful for us to have the insight of clarifications or illustrations of Scripture. But what should not be added is anything that goes beyond the rules God has made and what should not be subtracted is anything that lessens what God requires. Why did the Pharisees run into a problem with this? It's because they would say, okay, the commandment of God is keep the Sabbath. And so here's 155 ways to keep the Sabbath. But some of them were adding to what God was actually requiring, which he said man was not made for the Sabbath, but the Sabbath made for man. So it was a time of rest. It didn't mean that you couldn't, you know, you had to be so legalistic that you'd get chided by all your neighbors if you did a simple task or something like that. So there's an example of added to it, and that's why Jesus kind of gave them a hard time on that because they'd added to it. But also, we don't want to take anything away. There's all kinds of that going around today. You know, and it goes right back to uh, what we just recently studied in our men's group. Did God really say, right? Did, did God really say that marriage is man and woman, one each? Did he really say that? Did he really say that man uh, was made male and female? Oh, you know, we can tweak that, some people think. So we both can't add to it like the Pharisees do and say, well, let me add a bunch of rules to you that, that are required for you, uh, but also we can't take away from the requirements that God gives. Verses 3 and 4, Your eyes have seen what the Lord did at Baal Peor. For the Lord your God destroyed from among you all the men who followed the Baal of Peor. But you who held fast to the Lord your God are all alive today. Now, if you're just reading this by itself in Deuteronomy, you might be like, well, what in the world is that that about? Well, let's find out what in the world it's about. It's in Numbers chapter 25, starting at verse 3. Here's what happened there. So Israel yoked himself to Baal of Peor. And the anger of the Lord was kindled against Israel. And the Lord said to Moses, Take all the chiefs of the people and hang them in the sun before the Lord, that the fierce anger of the Lord may turn away from Israel. And Moses said to the judges of Israel, Each of you kill those of his men who have yoked themselves to Baal of Peor. And behold, one of the people of Israel came and brought a Midianite woman to his family in the sight of Moses and in the sight of the whole congregation of the people of Israel while they were weeping on the entrance of the tent of meeting. When Phinehas, the son of Eleazar, the son of Aaron the priest, saw it, he rose and left the congregation and took a spear in his hand and went after the man of Israel into the chamber and pierced both of them, the man of Israel and the woman, through her belly. Thus the plague on the people of Israel was stopped. Nevertheless, those who died by the plague were 24,000. And so what happened there is the people were told, you're not to marry these Moabite women. You're not to go with them because they'll take you away. They'll have you worshiping their idols. The next thing you know, you'll be worshiping Baal too. But they were smarter than God, they thought. 
So they went in and they took Wyus out of there. And, the, and they did end up worshiping Baal. And so this terrible plague came on them. And it's, can you think of a more brazen thing? As the people are weeping in the entrance of the tent, this guy goes and just walks right in front of them. You talk about brazen sin. And you think you saw it for the first time in the last few years in America. There's been brazen sin in the world for a long time. But it's still brazen sin. The Bible Knowledge Commentary says this about verses 3 and 4. Moses referred to the incident at Baal, Peor, and Moab to illustrate from the Israelites' own history that their very lives depended on obeying God's law. At Baal of Peor, all the Israelites who entered into spiritual and physical adultery with the Moabite women were either put to death by the sword or died in a plague. 24,000. On the other hand, all who held fast to the Lord lived. And this incident is also mentioned in Numbers 25, 1 through 9. It's mentioned in Psalm 106, and it's also mentioned in Hosea chapter 9. Do you see the repetition? We're to learn lessons from this stuff, and so they're repeated. And as ugly as that story is, God kept it around in the Bible, and not only that, but referred to it three times after that so that we would have a lesson to learn. Verse 5, See, I have taught you statutes and rules as the Lord my God commanded me that you should do them in the land that you are entering to take possession of it. Again, we see Moses, like Jesus and like Paul and like many other biblical writers, he's using repetition. Repetition to drive home the point. When we see something in Scripture that shows up repeatedly, we are to take notice of that repetition. Because it's usually a sign that this is a very important concept that we must latch on to, that we must lay a hold of, that we must make stick in our mind and our heart and our soul. So Moses is again reminding them that he has taught them what they need to know so that they could do what's necessary. Why is it necessary? For Moses' sake and for his legacy? No, it's for their own good and their own well-being. Verse 6 Keep them and do them, for that will be your wisdom and your understanding in the sight of the peoples, who, when they hear all these statutes, will say, surely this great nation is a wise and understanding people. Keep and do. Again, the repetition. Here we see more potential results of the obedience of God's people. First, it is wisdom. And second, other people will recognize that it's wisdom, and that there's something special about these people. The Preacher's Commentary series says, the law and obedience to it are required to make Israel morally and spiritually unique among all other nations. Israel's strength would not be in military might or human skills. Other nations not comprehending the beauty of obedience would marvel at Israel's wisdom and understanding. It was not by learned discussion or arguments that their wisdom was to be displayed, but by childlike, unquestioning obedience. All the wisdom was in the statutes and judgments of God, not in their own thoughts or reasonings. The profound and marvelous providence of God, as revealed in his word, was what the nations were to see and admire. Sometimes we think we know better than what the commandments of God say. 
but it's our childlike faith and obedience that shows our true wisdom. There's many passages in Scripture that talk about wisdom. I'll give a couple. Psalm 111.10, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and all those who practice it have a good understanding. His praise endures forever. Proverbs 9.10, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. This wisdom that comes when someone is obedient to God is evident to others as well. Other nations or peoples will take note, Moses says, and say this is a great nation of wise and understanding people if you would just simply obey God. Verses 7 and 8, For what great nation is there that has a God so near to it as the Lord our God is to us whenever we call upon him? And what great nation is there that has statutes and rules so righteous as all this law that I have set before you today? It's another reminder to the people of their special status as God's chosen people through whom salvation would come to the world. He has a special love for them. He's near to them. He has given to them his statutes and laws, not as a burden, but in fact as a blessing His statutes and rules are righteous. His holiness is shown in his commandments. Verses 9 and 10, Only take care and keep your soul diligently lest you forget the things that your eyes have seen and lest they depart from your heart all the days of your life. Make them known to your children and your children's children how on the day that you stood before the Lord your God at Horeb, the Lord said to me, gather the people to me that I may let them hear my words so that they may learn to fear me all the days that they live on the earth and that they may teach their children so. Now, this is not going to be the last place that Moses makes clear the responsibility of parents to teach their children the ways of God. And we're going to see this again and again in chapter 6. It's extremely clear that parents bear a responsibility to teach their children right from wrong, to teach them the rules and statutes of God. Note that this is not only a responsibility of a few people in ministry. It isn't up to the children's church leader or the youth pastor. It is a responsibility of the parent to teach their children. Again, the Preacher's Commentary series says the parents were especially to tell about God's interaction with them at Horeb. Hearing about this experience would encourage the children to learn to fear God all the days they live on the earth. It would open the door for them to acknowledge his sovereignty and then reverence him. This reverence would be expressed in their worship and obedience. The fear of the Lord is one of the dominating thoughts of the Old Testament. It is a God-given response which enables a man to reverence God's person, to obey his commandments, and to hate evil. It is the beginning of wisdom, the secret of uprightness, the whole duty of man. It is given as one of the characteristics of the Messiah. God's people in every age are urged to cultivate and walk in fear of the Lord. And we're going to talk more and more about that topic as we get further into Deuteronomy, especially chapter 6. And this is what, why we want to hear from parents right now. As we look forward to this fall, starting Sunday school, how can we help? 
Not just how can we give the children a short class once a week, but how can we help equip parents to do what they are responsible to do so that they can be obedient to this command, this charge to raise up your children in the way they should go. It's never too late to start, by the way. Even if you don't feel you've done it right up until now, anyone who recommits themselves to obey God can depend on his strengthening to do it. And the church stands ready as a resource to parents to help however we can. So what was significant about Mount Horeb here, where Moses said, remind them about Mount Horeb? Well, this is where they first received the commandments. So closing out the rest of this chapter, it says, how on the day you stood before the Lord your God at Horeb, the Lord said to me, gather the people to me that I may let them hear my words so that they may learn to fear me all the days they live on the earth and that they may teach their children so. And you came and stood at the foot of the mountain while the mountain burned with fire at the heart of, to the heart of heaven, wrapped in darkness, cloud, and gloom. Then the Lord spoke to you out of the midst of the fire. You heard the sound of words but saw no form. There was only a voice, and he declared to you his covenant, which he commanded you to perform, that is, the Ten Commandments, and he wrote them on two tablets of stone. And the Lord commanded me at that time to teach you statutes and rules that you might do them in the land that you are going over to possess. He wraps it up again with repetition. The Lord commanded me to teach you statutes and rules that you might do them in the land that you are going over to possess. The wise person will listen, keep, and do God's word. The beginning of Proverbs tells us about the correlation between learning God's ways and wisdom. Starting in the very first verse of Proverbs, it says, To know wisdom and instruction, to understand words of insight, to receive instruction in wise dealing, in righteousness, justice, and equity, to give prudence to the simple, knowledge and discretion to the youth. Let the wise hear and increase in learning. And the one who obtain, understands abstained, and the one who understands obtained guidance to understand a proverb and a saying, the words of the wise and their lit riddles. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom instruction. Don't be a fool. And likewise, the first of the Psalms also speaks of the benefits of meditation on God's law. Psalm 1 says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law he meditates day and night. He's like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish So the wise person will listen, keep, and do God's word. So let us be wise. Let us be wise individuals. Let us be a wise church. 
I hope we will someday have a wise country, too. You know, it's interesting that it talks about how Moses talks about how they will be admired if they actually follow these things. Success comes to people and nations that do these things, right? The statutes of God are not there to hold us down or hold us back, to keep us from anything great. They're there for our benefit because he loves us. He cares about us. He wants us to have a life filled with joy. And for the Israelite people, the ones that had true wisdom, they understood that following God's commandments ultimately brings pure joy. And it's all wrapped up, remember, in the two. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. And love your neighbor as yourself. These two sum up the commandments and the law, right? If we would just focus on those two, our lives would be full of joy. So let's be wise, church. Let's be wise. And let's pay attention to what God is teaching us through this passage of Deuteronomy and as we go through the Bible. I pray that he has brought to your attention maybe something that you need to respond to and that you would be humble and willing to respond to it. And I pray that for myself as well. So let's close with a word of prayer and then we'll have one last song and you'll be dismissed after that. Lord, thank you for your word this morning. Thank you for this repetition we see in Scripture, these reminders again and again of your faithfulness, your glory, your holiness, your righteousness, your justice, your deliverance. You remind us again and again in Scripture, and you remind us through the testimonies of each other of your goodness in our lives. And we need that repetition, Lord, because that gives us a great motivation to show our love for you by doing that which you've commanded us to do. Oh, Lord, you said that was the demonstration of our love to you if we kept our commandments, the commandments you gave us. Oh, Lord, we can't know those commandments and keep them unless we learn them. And neither can our children, Lord, neither can our grandchildren, neither can our neighbors. And so, Lord, you've charged us with that task to make disciples, teaching them to do all that you have commanded us to do. Lord, I pray that we would be people who take that charge seriously, that you would give us burning hearts to love you more by obeying your commands. Lord, that you would renew a right spirit within us. Restore unto us the joy of our salvation, Lord. We need it, Lord. We need to be refreshed by you and your Holy Spirit. We need it all the time. Lord, if there's someone in the congregation this morning that feels they've missed the mark too much, that it's impossible to come back, I pray that your word would speak to them this morning, that if they confess their sin, you are faithful and just to forgive us the sin 
and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And Lord, that all who would call upon you would be saved. Lord, may they believe your word that says you are our sanctifier, the one that works in us an ongoing project of perfecting us to be like you. Lord, if we would simply believe that, our lives would seem so much better. But I confess, Lord, sometimes we don't believe it the way we should. So please help our unbelief. Help us to live out this faith, not to be hearers only, but doers of your word. In Jesus' name I pray for this church, for myself, Lord, and for every individual here. Let it be for your glory. Amen.